Hi everyone, it's Amy Logan, your host for Lone Tutor Crusader. And I just have a couple announcements that I would like to make before we jump into this George Boleyn episode. Um, got a very nice message the other day from a follower who asked if I would be interested in doing a Q&A episode just so that my listeners could get to know me a little bit more and learn why I got into Tudor history and history in general. So I am working on that. Um, obviously, I'm a solo um, podcast person so it's going to be very hard to ask myself questions and then answer them so i may introduce you to my other huge supporter and that is my husband billy so he might be doing some of the questions he might be throwing in some curveballs for me so you guys you guys might get some you get you might get more than what you bargained for but hey you got to get to know me as a host and hopefully this will increase um, some listeners Speaking of that, I'm available on seven different platforms. I'm working on getting out on Stitcher right now, but Stitcher is giving me a very hard time. So I'm working with their support right now, and hopefully I will have that up and running pretty soon. I'd like to get on that, and I would like to get on iTunes. So I'm working on that just so you folks know. So um, as you all know, this next episode is going to be about George Boleyn because we ended up doing a poll and um, George won by a landslide. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought how apropos because we did just finish up the series on Jane Boleyn. So why not learn about her husband, George Boleyn? So I am going to be going in depth on George, um, starting from his birth and working my way up to his execution. So this could end up being two to three episodes because I definitely want to make sure that I'm covering everything about George. And if you have any questions, please feel free to email me, um, get in touch with me on Twitter. That seems to be the easiest way. My Twitter handle is Lone Crusader. So um, definitely message me. Um, you can reach out to me on Facebook. You can reach me through the podcast on Anchor. You can send me a private message on Twitter, whichever you per prefer. So um, let's jump into George Boleyn. So we all know um, George Boleyn was wife to Jane Bowen and was also the brother to the late Queen Anne Boleyn of England. Um you have to give it to him. His family loyalty was pretty strong. He was willing to go to all lengths to protect and to raise his family as much as possible. So um, he is the only son of Thomas Bowen, um, the Earl of Wiltshire and Earl of Ormond. His mother is Lady Elizabeth Howard, the daughter of Thomas Howard, second Duke of Norfolk, and Mother Elizabeth Tinney. Um, George, along with his sisters, were probably born in Norfolk um, at his family home of Blickering Hall. Um, but they spent most of their time at uh, Hever Castle in Kent. That seemed to be their main focus their mainstay and ended up being a place that Mary Boleyn uh, later in life really 
really loved to be. Um, and if you see the pictures of Hever, God, it's absolutely beautiful. I would love to go there. Um, so there is question as to what his birth date and year was, whether it was 1503 or 1504, which I'm very surprised about because although uh, families were very lax in dating their uh, daughter's births, they seem to be a little bit better about dating um, their son's births. So I'm surprised that it's, it, it's not as hardcore as we would think. Um, but it was 1503. Mostly historians are looking at 1504. Um, and this would make him the youngest Boleyn of the ones who lived. Uh, he did have uh, two other brothers who were older, Thomas and Henry. Unfortunately, they did not survive uh, past um, their early, early childhood. So the three remaining Boleyns uh, were most likely Mary uh, Boleyn, born first, Anne Boleyn second, and George Boleyn being the youngest. So uh, following in family footsteps, uh, George was expected and aimed to be um, a courtier of Henry VIII, and he wanted to get into uh, politics and be a diplomat. So in order to do that, the only way to really raise your family um, and, and gain land and riches and titles was literally through the uh, royal family. So if he was going to advance his family in any way, shape or form, then he would have to leave, le lead the life, excuse me, as a courtier. Now, as much study as I have done on the Tudors, and court life, I know a lot of people don't understand what the um, place of courtier was. So in simplest uh, form possible, a courtier uh, basically spent their life, they were paid to be in the service of the king or the queen. Basically their job was to keep the king or the queen, whether you were a lady uh, in waiting courtier or a uh, king's courtier, you were to be pleasant at all times, smiling and basically keeping the royals entertained as much as possible. You were expected to flatter uh, the king and queen in any way, shape or form. And obviously your loyalty was next to none. So it was expected that George would follow in his father's footsteps and become a courtier. Um, Anne and Mary and George were sent to various courts um, when they were very young. Um, the girls seem to have been sent to court at e even earlier age, uh, we believe between four and five, which, oh gosh, that's awful young to send your children far away. But again, daughters weren't really sought after. It is believed though that George, um, went into the service of Henry VIII right about, I would say he, he had to have been somewhere around 10 years old, I would assume. Um, he did ascend, he did attend the Christmas festivities of 1514, 15, 15, um, and he is noted there. So, so we would have to believe that he was there probably at the age of 10. So 10 years was a lot better than 
three or four. Um, at the court, George received a lot of praise for his intellect, his humor, and his wit. Uh, which again, as I said before, this was all things that were expected um, from a courtier. Um, so George was absolutely doing his job um, to flatter and to move forward um, as a courtier in Henry's group. Um, again, Henry really liked him and ended up really liking his father and that helped to advance them quite a lot. So um, George was well on his way as most of the Boleyns were. He, um, he is first mentioned to gain um, some presence and some accolades from the king in 1522. And he was, um, he was gifted a joint grant of various manor houses in Kent. Uh, this was with his father. So it's suggesting that George was absolutely one born in um, 1504 and this was for his 18th birthday, which is not a bad birthday gift to receive various houses where he could collect rents and that would help um, go towards what he made yearly as a courtier and plus from the rents from this land. So that's that's pretty major for George. Uh, he receives his first grant in his name in 1524. Um, he's about 20 at that um, point and he inherits Grimstone Manor. Um, we believe this could have been an early um, Christmas gift, or I'm sorry, wedding gift, excuse me, from the king um, so that they would have a place to live. It also showed that he was rapidly coming into favor. Um, he was definitely the firm favorite of the king, and he's mentioned in the privy purse, which is accounting, basically, expenses um, along with the king. He played with the king at bowls, uh, the tennis games, card games, archery. He bet large sums of money with him, the king, and he won huge monies off the king. Um, but probably lost just as much because, again, as a courtier, he was expected to challenge the king, but we did not want to win a lot of money off the king. So he, he had to constantly be watching what he was doing. Um, so he's mentioned quite a lot, uh, like I said, in the Privy Purse, which is uh, pretty major. So that that's a good thing. Um, later on in... 1528, he was appointed the Esquire of the Body and the Master of Buckhounds in 1528. Um, throughout the late 1520, grants continued to be bestowed upon him on October 15th. He became Keeper of the Palace of Blue, and on February, February 1st, 1529, he was appointed Chief Steward of Blue. Later in October 1523, he would be granted a life interest in the palace, which again, it's rents and money he would have made off. Uh, so pretty, pretty major. And on July 29th, he was appointed governor of Bethlehem, Bedlam Hospital, which was a profitable source as well. Um, as I said, he did want to get into being a diplomat um, and his career took off at 15, I 
believe the year was 1529 and he was knighted and regained a former position from a member in the privy chamber it was also in december 1529 that he became known by the courtesy title viscount rochford when his father was created earl of wiltshire and earl of ormond and undertook his first assignment as a diplomat to france as ambassador because of his youth he was only 25 it was believed that anne's influence secured him that post because again he was younger um and although he was very favorable um some of the Boleyn influence obviously was used to get him along so again george seems to be doing very very well and i wanted to give you the um, definition of viscount i believe it is higher than an earl. Um, all right, a viscount is a British nobleman ranking above a baron and below an earl. Excuse me. So, again, a very major title for him. Not too bad at all. So, moving right along as George is advancing himself through, he was also a fan of and at this point it was a little quiet at um reforming the church which we all know played a very major role in the Boleyn's lives at this point um England was Catholic hardcore Catholic there was no other question um and this new religion um and reform that Anne and George and Thomas their father was looking for would be named Protestant and basically Protestant is named that as these um quote-unquote heretics protested a lot of the beliefs that the Catholics did um for instance when the priest is praying over the um bread and the wine uh one thing that protestants do um, protest against is that once the priest blesses those two items they actually become the body of christ and the blood of christ um, they protest against that they want religion in the simplest manner they want to be able to read the bible and interpret it the way they want to because again at the time the only way um to get to God was through a priest because the priests were the only people who were allowed to read the Bible. And at that point it was done in Latin. So you have to think some of the poor class who obviously didn't have that education, um, couldn't understand a lot of it. So the Protestants basically wanted religion to be given to the people and for them to interpret it, um, it in any way possible. Um, so he was a very big, very big, um, player of that. Um, like I said, he, he, he had a lot of wit. He enjoyed his time. He was a very big flirt. Um, as a diplomat, the French ambassador, Jean Dubelet, did comment that George was considerably younger than a lot of other foreign diplomats. And that the appointment of a man barely out of his teens would cause amusement. 
But he also goes on to say that George should be shown more honor than was ordinarily necessary and that his reception would be well weighted. So that's pretty major as well. Um, in respect of his age, George quickly established a good relationship with King Francis I of France, which was pretty major because King Francis and Henry had a long-standing um, competition and rivalry, I would say. Sometimes they were brothers, sometimes they were enemies, and at any given time, as we know with King Henry's court, France and him could be buddies and they were going to invade Spain or England and Spain were going to invade France. So it was, it, it went back and forth quite often, but that's good. You know, it showed, um, it showed major ability in George to be able to maintain this friend with uh, King Francis. So that, that was actually a very good thing for him. And would have helped him later on in life. Um, like I said, this good uh, relationship with King Francis, um, and it did well in his first embassy. George attended a total of six foreign embassies to France. Um, embassies, I'm sorry, to France. The first was between late October 1529 and late February 1530. Uh, George attended with John Strode's Stotskly, hopefully I'm saying that correctly, the Dean of the Chapel Royal. Their mission was to encourage the universities of France to support Henry VIII's divorce from Catherine of Aragon. Now, obviously, George would be talking, um, doing everything he could to get this divorce through. As we know, this ends up being the king's great matter, and it ends up being the thing that the Boleyns all stake their family, their fortune, their lives upon getting Henry to divorce King Cath or Queen Catherine at that point to be able to put Anne Boleyn on the throne. Think of what that would do for the Boleyns. So obviously they were working very hard to get people to be okay with this divorce at this point. Now again, I think as you will hear me talk and go on about um, the Holy Catholic Empire at this point and religion and what Henry considered a heretic and what he didn't and what he supported in the reforms of the church and what he didn't um, support is very hypocritical, goes back and forth. Um, it's crazy, pretty crazy. And as you hear King Henry um, dive into the Bible and deciding what was fact and how certain scriptures could, scriptures could be used to help um, what he wanted along or to help what he didn't want along. It's, it's pretty, pretty amazing. So, um, like I said, he went to encourage all of these people to support the divorce. His second um, embassy to France was in March 1533 when he informed the King of France of his sister's marriage to the King of England. Because at this point, Henry has broken um, 
with Rome, and he has become the head of his own church, the Church of England. So George uh, goes here to inform him of his marriage uh, to the King of England. George was also instructed to encourage Francis into giving Henry more support. Um, not a lot of people supported this. A lot of people felt as though King Henry had given up a very fine queen and with with Queen Catherine, whether you loved or hated her, she was a queen to the nth degree and I really can't wait to do a podcast on her. Um, from the moment this woman was born, she was bred to be queen and she was quite quite a queen. I think she had some downfalls in the end, but I'll, I'll go into those uh, later on. Um, so he went to Francis, was really asking uh, for more um, support, and following a lengthy uh, debate, George succeeded in obtaining a letter from Francis asking the Pope to concede to Henry's wishes. This is major. So if they could have the players of these three main countries, although Spain would not have been one of those players, obviously. Um, Charles was the nephew of Catherine of Aragon, so obviously he would never have supported this. So to get uh, Francis's support and ask him to send this letter to the Pope was pretty major. Um, it was pretty huge as a matter of fact but at this point a lot of people were starting to question the Boleyn's rise and into question how much more they were going to support of this um Anne was seen as a great concubine she was seen as a whore she was seen as someone who pushed a very good woman out of her throne but she was also responsible for basically telling Henry that he had absolute power and whatever he thought was God's wish, therefore he should be the head of this new church in England. Um, so George is rising up the ranks. He is married at this point to Jane Boleyn. And as I have said in the past three episodes, I'm going to go along and think that it was a good marriage. There is, um, they did not have any children that we know of. And if they did have children, they did not survive um, into adulthood. And we know this um, because one, there is no mention of it at all in records or anything like that. If they were daughters, they may not have been recorded. I have to assume a son would have been because it would have carried uh, George's title into later life. We also know this because when the Boleyns crash and burn quite literally and Jane is banished from court for some time, she wrote to Master Cromwell to see if she could get any financial help. And it is never mentioned to help the offspring of George Boleyn. It's um, always mentioned to help her out. She was in dire straits at that point. And as we know, Jane is in fact allowed back uh, to court. Um, but unfortunately at this time, the love for the Boleyns were in slow decline. Um, oddly enough though, although they were in slow 
decline, the people of England were starting to see what King Henry was becoming, and it was starting to get scary. So yes, the Boleyns are in rise. George is doing great. He is profiting off of his queen, his sister being queen, and in the past, Mary being uh, King Henry's uh, mistress for a while. George and the family are definitely benefiting from this. And it seems like the Boleyns are untouchable. There's nothing wrong that they can do, and they are in very high prestige with King Henry. So I think I'm going to stop it here because we've 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 covered his early childhood. We've moved him on into service of the king, and now we're starting to see the Boleyns climb into uh, being the top family in the world at this point, or in the kingdom. Uh, so I'll stop it here. And we will get into next week's episode um, as to Anne's rise, as to being a queen, and what George did to support that, and also what they gained um, going forward. You know, it, it it's so sad because I'm a big lover of George Boleyn. I love George. I love that George loved his sisters from what we can see. Um, to probably a fault, but supported his sisters um, with no fault. I mean, he was single-minded when it came to the support of his family and to support his sister as queen. And we see that later on in, unfortunately, the fall of the Boleyns. So I'm going to stop it here. We'll move more into that. Um, Really appreciate everyone's support. And again, I'm really trying to garner some uh, listeners. So make sure you share the episodes. If you have any questions for me, uh, again, message me, tweet at me, whichever is easier. And definitely be looking for the bonus episode of questions and answers um, that you may have for me. I'll be releasing that probably early next week. Um, hopefully I have no issues with this episode and it comes up on Saturday with no problems. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I am getting there, folks. So I will see you guys next week. Let me know what you think of the episode. If, again, if you have any questions and we will go from there. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. And I will see you next week. <laughs>